And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the TFC fan show. I'm Mike Newell and on another bitterly cold, windy night, on the lake shore, we got everything. We got Olympicos. We got Michael Bradley corner headers. We got TV commentator drama. We got another blown lead leading to another draw. That's right. Uh, your TFC draw 2-2 against Charlotte FC. Uh, we will be recapping that game. We'll be addressing Julian de Guzman and Kevin Kilbane. Bob Bradley, Michael Bradley comments. Yes, you were all asking about it. Why wasn't it the burning question? Because we're going to spend a whole segment talking about it. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we will get to the burning question, which is just basically how cold were you? Um, but it asked in a different way. Uh, we've got a lot to dig into, but let's get into it uh, with my co-hosts, Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker. Jens, I saw you both this weekend. The pictures are up on the socials to prove it. Uh, how were your game day experiences? And how were your weekends? It was great. I was saying before we started, man, I got a I got a post game with you guys because, uh, you know, I decided I don't like the uh, the 509 streetcar directly after the game goes because of all the stuff that's going on in the TTC. And that car gets packed and it's rowdy and it just made me a little bit uncomfortable. So this time I was like, hey, I have a bright idea. I'm going to walk to that Pizza Nova on King and Strawn, right in my squishy minus 40 Sudbury boots that I can barely walk two feet in i walked all the way to strong by the time i got there i was so exhausted and i was pretty sure that the pizza nova was closed luckily it wasn't it was crap pizza because you never buy a slice from the place like a you gotta go to the pizzaville in liberty village yeah yeah that, that those guys keep i it didn't fresh. i didn't and then at, at insult to injury the king streetcar was a bus it was a shuttle bus that night so it was just as packed as maybe the 509 car would have been so yeah i i think i think post gaming is 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 definitely in my future absolutely yeah you get a nice bevy with, with mike newell and then you get a mm -hmm. you know, not be crowded with the traffic i think that's a that's a win-win for that's everybody what you do. that's what you do um, yeah you know i i bumped into some people after the game thankfully as you guys know staying warm in the press box <laughs> but i bumped into some people after the game and i was surprised to hear and i think turns my already said this in the chat people felt like it was the coldest game of the year because temperature wise, like if you look at the actual weather, it was maybe four or five degrees warmer than the last couple of home matches. So I was surprised mm. to hear that people said it was the coldest game of the year, but it was just the wind day. It was it the was wind, wind, man. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was also the fact that like everybody was watching AccuWeather all day long and it was like sunny, sunny, sunny mm -hmm. kickoff temperature drops 10 degrees it was it's immediately like the worst day in the world you know we're all we're all armchair meteorologists now right that's the that's the real benefit of the apple tv deal is that we're all now you know qualified to be on your local news broadcast basically uh, we're all just uh we're all just counting game days by how cold we are each game day um and that's how <laughs> yeah. you know you were at a particular mm -hmm. game forget the score yeah. or anything like that um but we do have uh football talk about before we do that though um another edition of Food Corner 
Uh, mm. I, I never have? intended this to be a running thing, but it now it is. has no, seemingly like it. taken a life of like its own. It's, it's called Food it. Odyssey, I believe. I think Food oh, Odyssey is, Food a, Odyssey? is a nicer okay, monitor. So that is yeah, what we're yeah. going to call it. All right, mm -hmm. sweet. I'm, I'm down with that. So Food Odyssey, um, the Pizzaville in Liberty Village. Okay. Mm. A lot of people who go to, to TFC games, you know what I'm talking about. Keep the pizzas in the in the Zaws nice and fresh laid on. I get into the Pizzaville on my way uh, to the GO train to take it home after the post-game bevies to let all the people who really wanted to rush to get home, uh, mm -hmm. get home. Uh, sit beside uh, some people and they recognize the podcast. They were like, they were like giving me like a 20 minute feel on like stuff we've talked about on the podcast. So, uh, and how much better we could be doing? Uh, yeah. well, yeah, a little bit, but, <laughs> but get rid of that stuff. Nesker kid, whatever. You don't listen to anything. They love, but yet. they love food corner. They, 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 ah. they like food corner. So there you go. Nice, um, nice. but, uh, the shout out to, I can't remember the names. Cause at that point I was already a couple pints in, but, um, mm -hmm. if you shouted me out at a uh, pizza, uh, pizzaville, uh, Saturday night, uh, thanks. Can I yeah. just, can yeah. I just say Mike, like when we bumped into you, each other, it wasn't that far from pizzaville. You had no. no pizza in your hand. Oh no, I devoured it. In. No, because I ate it in the pizza. Bit. It was gone. Mm -hmm. It was yeah, gone. Oh, bit. dude, <laughs> I atomized that. I atomized that slice of Nova, man. I hardly knew it. Like it was like a two bite per half kind of situation. Yeah. All right, I... fellas, I'm going to hijack the show because okay, it's the chaos it. edition. I am bringing in our special guest for hey. not at all a shameless plug. Not at all. This is not at all a shameless plug. But ladies and gentlemen. Girls and boys, we uh, if you've been living under a rock, uh, it's my pleasure to announce that, yes, Waking the Red has a new home. Uh, it's something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, and it's been a going concern since the uh, the uh, SB Nation debacle of uh, of 2023. So we're bringing in uh, our new our new fearless overlord, our new our new leader, uh, Brendan Dunlop of Canadian Soccer Daily, just to just to sort of, you know, blow some, uh, pump the tires of this, uh, this merger that we're all very excited about. Um, again, if you don't know, Brendan Dunlop is the founder slash creative editor. What are we calling ourselves nowadays? Uh, it's of, of director meetings? of director of content is the official. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm right, definitely like, yeah, I'm definitely, you got like, you got I'm a little Bob Bradley uh, inspiration there. I'm definitely going to eat some, some, uh, some poo about that later. But anyway, Brendan, Tell us a bit about uh, uh, Canadian Soccer Daily. It's it's only uh, what like four months old, five months old. So it's still it's still getting its uh, getting its groove on. Yeah, and, we're in uh, we're in our infancy. We haven't uh, got to the position yet of looking at interim managers or caretaker managers. We haven't, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, we do have one major designated player, which is uh, which is waking the red, which is really special. Nice. So I'm really nice. happy that we were able to, uh, yeah, man, come together at a, at a time when you know soccer is changing in this country the way. We've consumed it. The way we've all worked in it has changed uh, considerably through this pandemic. You know, the idea of doing shows like this even before the mm -hmm. pandemic would not have been possible. Um, and man, I've always been a big fan of what you guys are doing. You all, you all know that individually. And I look at Waking the Red in general and what it's meant to kind of the soccer community. And it's a really interesting kind of unique space where it's always been there for the TFC fan. It's always been there for the Canadian men's national team fan. And from a consumption period, it's a constant, right? You, mm -hmm. For 13 years, it's, it's always been there, no matter who was on the other end. But what's exciting and what's always been interesting to me is the people that were on the other end of it, how many of those people got their start at Waking the Red? How many of those people got to try things at Waking the Red? They got to make yep. mistakes. They got to learn from things. And they got to experience the industry in ways that 
very few people in a, you know, and people certainly in other markets just do not get to. So it's really been this incubator of talent, which I think is the term you actually had used, Jeff, in mm-hmm, talking about mm-hmm. what it's represented to the community. And my partner, Justin Dunk, and I, we started at the score. And that was what the score was to the mass media industry. You look around at how many people, you know, on television on both sides of the border at some point were at the score. It's usually early in their careers or at some point where they were. It was their first on air job. It was for me. You know, it was for Jackie Redman. I believe for Justin, that was his first on air job as well. And for, you know, a lot of people having a lot of success in this industry now, Mike being a great example, uh, Waking the Red was kind of where it started at, right? And that's what's really cool, uh, you know, to me to, to kind of be a part of that and see how much more interest there is as well. Like when I started in the game, it was me and uh, you know, a few other people I would say around my age. But in terms of my graduating class, most people wanted to get into hockey or most maybe more mm. people were interested in basketball. There was a, just a handful that would have been interested in soccer. I speak at these um i speak at these post-secondary institutions now and if the class is 50 and everyone's looking to get into sports you got at least 35 people are asking about soccer and maybe there's a couple of kids that want to be into hockey and they're definitely from like barry or north bay (laughs) (laughs) they're not from brampton i'm I'm of the mind that everybody from brampton is wise to the soccer hotbed that's going on there and they want to cover it completely you kind of snaked my second question which was why wtr question mark um, so I'll open the floor to uh, to my amicable co-host to sort of toss oh. us in. Uh, as the the former managing editor of Wake the Red, I have questions. <laughs> I have questions. Fire away, buddy! I will do my best. To, I will I will answer them better than I've lit this video uh, podcast. <laughs> just as I connect, I'm like, oh, you guys do it live and it's lit. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, 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 we're professionals. <laughs> um, so. What's what's going to be the scope, I guess, of Waking the Red? Because obviously, it's been a site primarily that's covered Toronto FC with you know some national team focus as well. In the, in the past, there was some Canadian Premier League stuff as well. What what do you think the scope is and the future is of, of WTR in that capacity? Yeah, well, the exciting thing about essentially being able to merge our two brands is we can, mm-hmm. I think, merge resources and extend our coverage. So, you know, I know, for example, there was uh, there's quite a few writers that were getting opportunities, uh, but to get out to go to cover a TFC game, you know, there's only so many media passes you can get. There's only so many mm-hmm. assignments that you guys were, were uh, dishing out or were able to, you know, put on the website. Um, there's a, an opportunity now for some other games to be covered, some other avenues, and just kind of more opportunities for, for guys to write. So from a Waking the Red perspective, I envision it just, you know, uh, being this um, evolution as uh, as it was the home and, and heartbeat of, of TFC coverage. It will continue to be that. And in terms of the WTR brand um, and that kind of DNA, you'll see that on a lot of other pieces. We're going to ex- expand and extend uh, the Canadian Soccer Daily CPL coverage. Uh, I'd love that to have a, a WTR handle of it. Um, video and podcasting is something that I, I've wanted to do from the beginning obviously that's that's my wheelhouse too that's something that uh, i hope can kind of come from this partnership as well um so there's a mm-hmm. quite a few quite a few things that we got on the table but uh in terms of satisfying the the waking the red faithful i know how important that comment section is and trust me <laughs> i'm that's all amazing. over it with the tagging <laughs> in you're waiting in yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, for, yeah, for those yeah. of you for those of you watching right now who are like yeah yeah your site's got good ads and stuff but hey mm-hmm. where's the damn comment section don't worry bob yeah. i'm working it, on it 
Listen, Bob, it'll be better than the, than the what, eight months that we had the new SB Nation glossy comment section that required you to like log in and, and, and ante up your firstborn son or something like it was just, it was getting ridiculous at the end. So I, I, I look forward to a more simplified comment section. And I mean, what, what else can I say that I haven't like gussed enthusiastically to anybody that would listen over the last couple of weeks? This is, this is great. This is absolutely great stuff. Um, I mean, we're three for three. All three Canadian SB Nation sites have found a way to continue. Um, I don't know what the ratio is across MLS, but it's looking pretty good for just about everyone. So you can try and knock us down, you know, but but we'll find a way. And uh, <laughs> my hat's my hat's off to the CSD people um, for being so accommodating. And I'm so, 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 so excited about what's new. I, I'm, I can speak for all the WTR peeps who uh, finally got invited to a Slack chat and we're waiting for you to finish at TSN so they can ask you stupid questions all day long. Brandon. I'll have but, to jump uh, in there. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I got to jump but, in there. But yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great and it's only yeah. just begun. So so let me just do my, my public service. Bear with us during the transition. It's going to take a bit of time. Things are going to be a bit wonky as we go, but the, trust me, we, we've got everybody's best interest at heart and uh, it's it's... It's only gonna. It's only gonna be amazing. And now I'll stop talking, and I'll let I'll let someone else speak. Well, just a question on that transition. So, just for people mm-hmm. who aren't aware of ZX, I'm not sure if there's much clarity out on this. Is the domain mm-hmm. still going to be wakingthered.com? Absolutely. Yeah, you'll still be okay. able to get all the content at wakingthered.com. Uh, that was something that was not actually possible um, to do when we made the announcement on Friday that it was official. Um, that's something mm-hmm. we're working to get up as quickly as possible. In the meantime, between time. All the WTR content is available on CanadianSoccerDaily.com. Um, it's all tagged WTR. Anthony Curry, he's been all over it. Um, there'll be there'll be much more uh, you know content this week. Essentially, what was really important to me was that there was no interruption in production from waking the mm-hmm. the yeah, season wasn't yeah, because... stopping. We're 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 not taking the league's cup break. No, no, like we're, <laughs> we're moving I mean... and working at the same time. Yeah, yeah, but if you go to our URL right now, it's it's there's officially like digital tumbleweeds going. It hasn't been this quiet since its inception because it's just register our transfers, guys. It's 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 a lot of fun, and I'm sure I just made a lot of people very upset by just putting those two words together because anybody that knows register our transfers immediately got hives when I made that comment. Yeah, it, I, it, it it's yeah, it does feel right. Like it's probably easier to make a transfer deadline day deal with Daniel Levy at four fifty-five mm-hmm. p.m. Yeah. Yeah, it's easier to be Graham Potter 100% than to transfer a domain name. It just it's like breaking the internet. You know, I it's like uh I always use this this uh this allegory, you know, going to Tim Hortons and ordering a sandwich during rush hour, right? Like coffee, <laughs> coffee, coffee. I'll get the BLT and they look at you like you're the antichrist. So it's, you know, it's it's the same sort of thing. Um you want to stick around and, and, and talk TFC's uh, uh, late late capitulation with us? You want to hang for one more segment? Have you and Mike thought out yet? Because I know that uh, I know that Michael is able to you know get up in the press box. He, I knew right away that you guys mm. had met in the concourse because um, he was Michael, wearing he, sunglasses. Oh, he didn't. He didn't have a hat on. <laughs> yeah, mm, right, right, right. That that yeah, air was yeah. ass jacket. We're yeah, all yeah, yeah. Up, exactly. And he's just like coming in looking all cool. I'm like, you've been in a press I mean, box. I mean, I mean, Mr. B, I. I didn't put my toque on either at first because we had some some business to attend to and I wanted to keep this somewhat styled. And then the second that was over, I, I put the toque on. So, yeah. If, yeah. What, what was I the could... business? Was there a meet and greet? What was the business? No, I'm not going to tell you. It's a, it's no, a thing. Not, but, yet, but, not, uh, yet. not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um. 
if I can just ask, so just mm. I know a lot of soccer fans listen to this podcast. If they wanted to get involved with WTR Canada Soccer Daily, is there a possible way for them? Because I, I listen, you don't have to be a professional journalist to to write for these. Yeah, look at, at least yeah, look at me. For Wake the Red. <laughs> um, it was a great as Brandon illustrated. It was a great platform for people just to you know get involved in the community. You have a lot of passion for DFC. You want to share some thoughts. It's a great platform for that. Is there a way to continue doing that? Yeah, our DMs are always open. You know, that's, uh, yeah. that's going to be an ongoing conversation that uh, that Jeff, myself, and Anthony will have about. Yeah, I mean, we won't we won't have the the SB Nation mandated call for talent that usually comes out about this time. I know you've written a couple of them, Mikey Singh, uh, but we can follow a loose uh, amount of that schedule. You know, uh, and certainly, like I said, our DMs are always open, always looking for new voices, always looking for new perspectives. You can't be an incubator if you don't incubate. Am I right? <laughs> You're right, buddy. Uh, I'm I'm excited too. Like you know, knowing uh, knowing the staff a little bit and seeing the interest and exchange and interaction on Twitter, that there's interest beyond Toronto FC. That maybe they haven't had a platform to express and that on. And uh, you know, I'm hoping with this with this partnership with this marriage that Canadian Soccer Daily could be a, a platform for that, where you know uh, these uh, up and coming WTR writers can have an opportunity to pen some thoughts and try some things uh, outside of that the that TFC box. But um, making making keeping waking the red a flagship and a you know a, a go to on match night and in between. Um, that's that's very important to us, and that's exactly what we're what we're going to do together as a team. Awesome. Beautiful. Wonderful. Looking forward awesome to it, fellas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something not so beautiful. Uh, Brendan, what's your what's your take on uh, on the game uh, on Saturday night at seven thirty in the free? Were you the, you were there? Yeah, I was not there. No, no. Uh, I, I have a I have a newborn at home. Um, uh, that and the fact that uh, my ears would fall off standing <laughs> as you guys did. I, mm-hmm. I derailed hey. myself there. Try, I was trying to talk about how uh, much I commend you all for being out there, and I hope that you'd thought out by now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, we got there. We eventually got there, but I won't lie. Um, good for most of the game, and then probably about like the 85th minute, that's when the toes started to go. I only wore the Air Force Ones. Didn't Was not really properly prepared mm. uh, for this. So like at that moment, I'm like, okay, I, I, can, I can get to the final whistle now. We, I can take the final whistle. Let's just take the draw and go home so we all can, you know, defrost. I, I cheekily went to the new north side uh, stands for, the sec- for most of the second half. And I'll tell you, the wind, very different. Very different yeah. on, on that side versus the other one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, aside, aside from the trappings, aside from the from the context, the game itself. Yeah. I mean, the you know, uh, I can't. I don't think I can top what Axis just wrote, which is even artists don't draw this much. Which I think is basically going to win the comment comment lottery of this of this match. That's a that's got to be a concern, right? Getting given up. Of course, up two goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially since we've highlighted this team as you know having really corrected or so it seemed the defensive frailty that plagued them the last two seasons with hedges and, and Rusted um, and Sean Johnson, you don't fear this team is going to concede as many goals as they did last year. And they won't, but mm-hmm. they're conceding at times in which um, a team built like this and a team with this payroll just can't be doing. Well, here's a, here's a question for the room and even for the, for the listeners that would love you to chime in on the comments, but just, this idea around TFC not being able to play full 
90 minute games, right? Having issues being putting together a full complete 90. It's always spurts. It's 20 minutes. It's 30 minutes here. It's a half. Uh, and then falling apart at a certain point and not being able to see things out. How, you know, how are we getting to that point now? Right. Right. Like I, I feel like this is not just something that's happening this season. This is something that also was around last season, not necessary and not to draw comparisons between the two seasons, but in a sense, there is a little bit of that creeping into this team. So sure thing. How are you, how are, I mean, how are we all feeling about this? Because this is starting to become a little bit of a trend and it's a little bit of a worrying trend. Uh, I guess I'll start like for the game on Saturday specifically. I know it is, it is becoming a little bit of a trend, but the game on Saturday specifically, so much of that comes down to the wind. He's going to say it, and I, I was waiting for somebody to say it because I, I think it might be an outlier this specific game, but go ahead. So much of that comes down to the win. Like, obviously, TFC had the wind in the first half. I don't think it's a coincidence that they played way better than Charlotte did in the first half. They created more chances, and you could argue that they probably should have buried Charlotte even more um, with the chances that they had and the fact that they didn't take advantage of that and it was only a two goal lead that did lead them susceptible to a comeback in the second half and obviously yeah you look at the goals individually you break them down and there are some some mistakes uh that could be covered up but tfc was absorbing a lot of pressure throughout the half it's really tough you know the solution is yeah keep the ball on the ground but you can't always play football at that level like that um Mm -hmm. so you know like I, I take your point, Mike, and it's something they, they've they worked on. I know that. And one of the, the points they've tried to hone in on is just, like, staying locked in, staying engaged mm-hmm. when plays go out. Like, for example, like a quick throw-in. They're trying to get everybody on the same page for that. Like, do they do they reset or do they step up and do they press and do they trap trap the team up? Like, that's something they're they're constantly mm-hmm. working on. As a coach, how, how do you – how do you go about coaching that protecting leads? Like what, what changes would you make? What changes can you make? Hmm. I th- well, I think- go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Go no, ahead. no. Well, I, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I think there was, again, from, from the stands, there was, there was sort of this idea around, you know, making changes in terms of substitute. When do you make them? Who do you bring in to try to break the game? Obviously, the big one that a lot of people had was, you know, Victor Vasquez. Why only with Garbage three minutes, minutes left, yeah. you know, in the, in the game? Why not give him a 10, 15-minute run out to try to unlock the team on the counter? Because at that point, look, the, you know, you're kind of accepting that Charlotte's going to have the bulk of the position in the second half. They were pressing uh, for the goal, or the, and, and they eventually got both. But why not that move then? Why, you know, essentially bring on Coelho earlier than... Victor Vasquez. And I think there was a lot of questions around that. And I, I'm just, and those are kind of the things that are, that are sort of creeping in to, to a bit of the narrative. I, I don't know how valid they are. I, I'm not even sure if they're valid, but these are just things that are coming up that I'm noticing. Well, my, just my response to the Victor Vasquez one specifically would be mention it. You want to catch a team on the counter. Well, guess what you're doing for the rest of the 90% of the game you're defending. 
right? Mm-hmm. Is Victor Vasquez going to help you out much defensively? That's fair. I don't know. That's fair. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, look, we're not we're not talking about you know a a thirty minute runout. You're talking about 10, 15 minutes, right? Um, and, and a little bit more time to get into the flow of the game and try to and try to break something, right? Yeah, um, like why I, bring him out at all? Right. Well, yeah. you know, like I, I get it, right? You bring him out in those two minutes. You're hoping that he's going to be able to get something on the ball as you're trying to press uh, in the final, you know, three minutes plus stoppage time to try to to get something to to go. Um, but at the same time, it, it, sometimes you need, especially in the wind, especially in those conditions, you need a player sometimes to get a few minutes to get into the rhythm of the game um, and make something happen, right? So that that is where that question. I I, I don't think that is the the cause, right? It's not the reason mm. that you end up losing a game or, or not losing, but drawing this game. Um, you know, there's some questions about uh, running back and marking uh, certain runners into the box on, on, uh, especially on the second goal, but, and we'll get to that in a second, but you know, there, that has, that, that is sort of coming. And these are these sort of commonalities that are starting mm. to piece themselves through games. Um, and, and, and look, the team is a work in progress. I don't think anybody can deny that. I don't think they're <laughs> as bad as last year and they're definitely not. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like they're, they're not as bad as last year. I think we can see that defensively, as you mentioned, Brendan, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. They're, they're better defensively in terms of a spine that's being developed. Mm-hmm. But, but there does seem to be this reoccurring thing about the midfield and about space and about giving the ball away in bad positions that lead to opportunities. And I wonder if I don't even know how you can address it at this point, because this little roster is so locked into what it is. It's kind of, we're just going to have to see if this team can actually improve. Yeah. I think that, you know, there are some draws that feel like losses that mm-hmm. draw against Columbus felt like a loss, right? Yep. This one to me, I thought it would. And the reason I feel that the team doesn't feel this way is, and I think Mikey was the first one to tweet this, Bernardeschi's attitude post-match, I know it's different when they get up in front of the cameras and he's someone who really likes that um, atmosphere and that opportunity, mm-hmm. that this is abnormal to Europe, the way we parade them out. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the, the journalists were going into the change room exactly like they do in hockey dressing rooms, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's different now. Uh, when Bernardeschi gets up in front of the mic, it's you can tell he enjoys that. But what surprised me was he was in a pretty good mood to be able to joke about. Well, he scored a pretty nice Olympic goal. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Mm. But uh, I use him specifically because against Atlanta and against Columbus, you could see moments there of frustration. That made sure. me think, oh, he, he might be coming like towards the end of his patience. And this mm. is a guy that, you know, compared to Lorenzo Insigne, looks like he has a bit more patience out yeah. there for some of the things that irritate On- players of that caliber. <laughs> except he was a madman this game. I don't know if you were watching him, but he was a man possessed. He was, he was bodying people all over the field. I mean, near the end of the second half, there was some sort of fracas going on uh, in, in TFC's attacking zone. And he, he went to ground and the Charlotte guy tried to, tried to offer his hand. He slapped it away. Like, like a, like a Italian, like, like his, like he was his Nona and somebody had fed him ragu instead of like a, a hell made sauce or something. Like he just looks so offended and uh, I mean, I I loved that fire. It was it was great. But I I your point is really well taken. He looked he was happy after that game. Yeah. So maybe he just dismissed it like Mike Singh is dismissing it. 
the wind was a factor. We scored both our goals playing playing for the uh, with the wind at our backs. They scored both their goals playing at the wind at their backs. Maybe that's as far as hashtag analysis needs to go for this game in terms of you know trying to come up with any. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm remiss I'm, to go I'm so somewhat... binary, but. Go ahead, Della. On analysis, um, mm-hmm. you would have been there. You wouldn't have seen it in the pre-show. But Julian de Guzman and Kevin Kilban brought up. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're, we're going to go hard. We're going into that. We're going wild into that. We're going into that. Into that. Going into that. It, it, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll hang I... up and listen. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll get to that later. <laughs> we're, we're getting into no, that. No, no. Like, I mean, but before I, we let you go, we'll, we'll, have you, we'll have you preface your thoughts, and then, we'll, and then we'll kick you out, and then we'll just tear you a new one for 22 yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that. Go ahead, Mikey. We'll do that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I if I can get back to just the Bernadeski stuff, I think you're you're spot mm-hmm. on, Dunlop. I thought bringing him out in that at that point in the mood that he was in uh, was so beneficial to the team because afterwards we're not talking about you know necessarily TFC blowing another lead. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, we're mentioning it, but like the main focus takeaway from that game is Bernadeski saying that he's a, he's maybe he's a Canadian now, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what people want to hear. That's what people want to see. Um, and you're right, like. They caught him, you know, his mentality at that point was very good. Mm-hmm. And maybe he he felt some of the backlash from that Columbus game that you were referring to when he said, you know, it's the way that they're playing right now, the way that they're blowing lead is not good for his mentality. Maybe he he felt the response from that was not the best for the team's sake. And this mm-hmm. guy, as you mentioned, like he is so bought into kind of what's going on here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And his personality has the ability to turn a bad narrative into one that's just extremely well, positive. Well, I mean, look, we're, we're talking about the fact that they dropped three points and we're all positive. Like, I, I, I get it. I, I understand that. I'm yeah. not on exactly the same boat as, as you all are on. Like, in the mm-hmm. sense that I understand, yes, the look, okay, the wind. I, I mean, I... I I don't know if when I can necessarily just leave it down to just the wind, right? Like I, you know, no, I agree with you, but I I think we do have to mention that. Look, it is another game that TFC have dropped, you know, three points in winning position. Right. And, and, and if anything, this was probably of those games, this is probably the most winnable game out of Mm -hmm. probably all of them. Right. Maybe aside from DC United. Right. Um, And, and you do have to ask a question. Look, it's six games. There's on seven points. They're in a playoff spot right now. They're over a point a game. You know, if you're looking at the standings, it's still probably too early to do that. But if you start looking at it, this is a this team is mid right now. It's a mid team, and and, and literally in in a lot of cases, and and it's not exactly the worst place for this team to be right now um, in terms of points wise, in terms of where they're on. You tweeted it yourself with comparing the 2017 numbers to now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I, yeah, broke Mike, I broke Mike Newell, guys. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just look, couldn't I believe mean, Mike was throwing the Gen Z slang around. It took well, me a second. Like, did you use mid as in mediocre? Mm. Is that what you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just, no just cap. Random old mid. I just feel dirty just trying. But, okay. <laughs> yeah, but look, I, like, of course, yes. Of course, I did put out that tweet about the 2017 team and stuff like that. Look, this team is not in the same position to do that and re- reel off six straight wins, right? we knew that team in 2017 was just looking to get it together, right? We knew where the Hmm. goals could come from. We knew where, who was going to deliver those goals. And it's on the run sheet right now. It's just, we just don't know, aside from Frederick Bernadette right now, where the goals are coming from, right? We don't know who is going to be able to provide 
maybe Jonathan Osorio if he can if he can stay fit. But the number nine position is one of concern. Now, Definitely. whether or not you need Definitely. a DP, I'm not necessarily convinced you need to go out and get a DP striker. I think you can find you know goal scorers around the world or within MLS um, that can that can fill that role. But I just wonder for for you guys, where are sort of your temperature check on this number nine? position because it's going to keep coming up right and until something can happen if anything can happen it's going to keep coming up can they go get simon betcher (laughs) (laughs) please 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 what a day not a chance you know how much (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if anybody else saw it but did you see Oso chirp io uh in the second half when when io coming up and instead of shooting he he did a layoff pass to oso and it just killed the attack dead i don't like seeing that i do not like seeing that frustration every that's that's every game of soccer that you watch okay okay in my my opinion like no no no, frustrated with decision making i I don't know but i mean what's your opinion on io he yeah go ahead well before i do that but we're also like bearing the lead here and missing a very important part that we have a pretty decent winger that hasn't played at all this season. <laughs> Who, a winger that could literally be the best player in Major League Soccer when he's healthy and he's on the pitch. Yeah. So you look at this this span of games that TFC have had and we can come out of it. Because if you were to ask me before Lorenzo Insigne went down injured, if you were to ask me where I would predict TFC would be, <laughs> at the end of his sort of injury lapse, I would have told you close to the bottom of the league. But really? wow, yeah, because that was after Atlanta, or yeah, that was yeah. after that was after the DC United game. Yeah, it was three four minutes yeah, yeah. in DC United. I, but, absolutely, I would have predicted that. I think um, the reason that I'm surprised to hear that from you, though, man, is because look at how uh, obviously you have another piece that would be a lead DP piece on any other team in the league in Bernardeschi and an assembled squad that the money that they spent to secure the back line and with Sean Johnson should make them like at minimum a playoff team. And I just think they brought enough kind of core regular pieces back that that transition beyond defense, which seems to have adjusted quite well, um, shouldn't be as much. So I'm, I'm surprised that they're, at this situation where they've only reeled off one win. And if, man, uh, how, do we know how long Insigne is going to be gone? Well, I mean, what they say six? at the time, it's he's close three to four matches. So this yeah. should be t- theoretically, if he does miss this one, it should be his last one. We'll get an update uh, this week on Insigne. But yeah, just I feel like over the stretch of games, like there's worse things we can be talking about 100%. than lone <laughs> leads, right? Like overall, I think they're playing really well. And then you insert a Lorenzo Insigne into this team. And there is reason for optimism now moving forward with this group. Like, I think at this point, we're talking about the team not being able to hold on to lead. That's six, five games into a season. That's not a bad conversation to be mm-hmm. having. Like, we could have, be having conversations about why can't this team pick up any points? Why is this team conceding so much? Why is this team... It could be Montreal. You know, not creating... Right so many chances mm-hmm. yeah we, exactly mm-hmm. it could be montreal it could be tfc of last season yeah right yeah. it could so, be chelsea yeah <laughs> seriously <laughs> um so getting back to i guess what your original point what there was and that's part of the reason why i was thinking like 
why that TFC would be in a worse position than they are right now. It's because moving forward, that's their biggest question mark. How exactly are they going to take advantage of certain, lack of a better word, advantages that they create on the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, their number nines are not giving them the production that they need. That's not a secret. I'm not sitting here yeah, breaking no. any news by saying that. We're yeah. 20 matches into the Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi tenure. Over that span, any striker, I'm talking Achara, Jesus Jimenez, Iowa DeAndre Kerr, uh, Diamande, any striker that has played between those two guys has only scored three times in 20 matches. Jordan Perusa is one of them. Jordan Perusa is one of them. Jordan Perusa is as well, also in that. Igo Mbonga you can throw into that mix as well. So you're right. They need to find a way to get one of their strikers going. And, you know, I've seen signs of Io potentially getting better and looking a lot better than he was last season. Mm -hmm. I've seen glimmers of it. We haven't seen enough yet. I was hoping and I was hopeful and we'll still see. This isn't, you know, me writing him off by any means, but I was hopeful that his stint with Canada that could really spark something. So you know, it's I. such a positive so was he. moment for well, it's him. One game, it's one game back. Uh, I, I will exactly. say that. I will say that his first touch was just. It was rough. Now he was getting some balls rough. wrapped into his feet. HR uh, rough and stuff. It was. Yeah, it was, he's getting some balls wrapped into his feet yeah. on Saturday. So the first touch was a little, a little off. Um, but at the same time, he also made some really great runs, right? And it, it, it's just this whole. You're gonna have to find one, one guy. If one guy can kind of find that. And then he'll get injured. <laughs> and then he'll do his ACL. And well, no, but like I mean, <laughs> if you find <laughs> you find one guy that can get a little, and we're not even talking like a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. Brendan, you may agree, you may not agree here, but like you just need to find a guy who can he can get a little hot and maybe get you nine, ten goals this season, and let you know Insigne and Bernadeschi do the rest. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're that's probably they, in good stead to get to the playoffs. I think that's what they thought Diamond could be. And he may be if he can get uh, the other so we can see it. Do we, do, let's do a consensus. Do we have faith that, you know, like we haven't seen much of uh, uh, Dio? Like, do do we have any faith that this isn't a. a, a I just have um, not seen enough. He hasn't played enough. It's it's just mm-hmm. too hard to uh, on him to really know. Really, like, we got yeah. a half in DC, 60 minutes in DC, and what, 25 minutes in Atlanta before he we went down? No idea. Like, at, at this yeah. point, to me, your so your your starter let me, let me probably is you guys, right now. Is the number nine solution, in your opinion, on this TFC roster right now? That's kind of what I'm I'm fixing at. Like, do we have faith in in Io? Like, do we think he'll figure it out? Like, and recapture the MLS is back is back energy? Or, I mean, it's a it's a it's a horrible injury. You know, the the more I get into understanding soccer injuries this is a big one and it can derail a career and we might be we watching that in real time i don't know like i I, i'll be honest Mm. i don't know i i don't have sort of a a clear vision on what that number nine position looks like for this club right now um we've tried so many different things as you mentioned mike it should have been so easy that's the thing like on paper it's just put a pile on with feet to get in the middle of those crosses from our two Ferraris and, and profit, right? Like, no, not necessarily, just, right? Like, yeah. because you got you got to find somebody who can, who can think on the level of those two, right? That's, that's really That is hard such a good find. point. My because goodness, yeah. for them to make the, to make runs, like DeAndre Kerr makes great, really. He makes runs. He runs off the shoulder of defenders, but in a lot of yeah. ways, they're sometimes really too straight or he doesn't bend those runs enough. And 
you, you know, it, it, you could see it, you could especially see it in the San Jose game where Federico Bernadeschi at times was just like, it's like you're, he's like almost like you're there, you're almost there, you're almost making the right run at the right time. It's just a little off. And therefore, that mm-hmm. ball doesn't quite get through or doesn't get played at the right time. And that is what that's the difference between a good player. Look, these are all good players. I'm not I'm mm-hmm. not flagging any of them. They're all very good footballers. But that's the difference between a really good footballer and a footballer that can play with those two and really. Make and you need a DP in, in in not so many words. I, I think again, I don't know if you that. necessarily need a DP. I think you have guys in MLS or or maybe not even MLS. Whether you go to Maliga MX or in South America that could do that job and not necessarily have to take a DP spot. You just got to be really good at f- identifying and finding those players. And to be perfectly honest, TFC have not, not always been great at that, right? Like, great at finding that. DPs, great at finding DPs. That sort of TAM level, next level down player. Mm, Victor Vasquez, great. Outside, you know, you... Let, let me end on this, guys. I'll uh, I'll leave mm-hmm. you with this. I think that um, there there is a a Tam player out there that used to be a DP who's coming to the end of it who might be able to uh, slide in because of some good relationships and they can find the money for him that I think would be great. Oh man, oh, this is this I, is oh, how you go out, going. buddy. This is how you go out with the Seba shout. My goodness. No. Oh wait. Oh wait. Who are you talking? I'm talking about Kamara? Carlos Vela. Oh. Oh, Carlos. Well, then, if we're doing that, Cesc Fabregas, let's get them both. Come on, let's go. I think he wants some N'Golo Conte, so let's let's do I'll, it. Absolutely. I'll give you I'll give you one one reason for Carlos mm. Vela, and the reason I think that, and I, I know I've framed this up here to say that this is Tam, right? But TFC mm. be very creative with finding Tam and Gam money that's uh, well beyond anyone else's Tam Gam money. Just look at yeah. Michael Bradley, right? I mm-hmm. think that Carlos Vela is coming to the end of enjoying his football. And the Ooh. opportunity to play with those two guys, and the opportunity to play with Bob Bradley, leads that's me to not think. A bad you, shout. Hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta shoot shots, right, Mikey Singh? Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's what Bill did in Napoli. Like I'm, that's the shot I'm shooting. <sighs> hey, I, and he hey, does know Bob. Bob. He does know Bob. Hey, come hey, on, okay. Bob. I'll see this. Okay, hold on, hold on, Brendan. Before you I leave, love it. That's not uh, just give us. You have ten seconds. Yay or nay, JDG, Kilbane, Bradley comments. Oh, I mean, look, that's not a conversation that uh, I'm ever going to have to have with my dad uh, when I just can't bring it <laughs> in my job. Uh, I will say, though, <laughs> you know, my dad yeah. my dad will mm. send a text message after I have a miserable show. Like, yeah, your take on the Leafs there, the goaltending. Like, just stick to soccer, son. I do get a few <laughs> of those text messages. Nice, nice. Um, look, it was always going to be a thing. Uh, I remember having a conversation, I think, with you, Mikey Singh, about um, this was after your comments uh, saying that um, you felt that Bob was transitioning out of a managing role and maybe into a, a director of soccer role, um, well, who, who would step in? I think a lot of people thought, well, Mike's just being primed. Michael Bradley's being primed to be a coach. I don't think yeah. he's ready for that. And I don't think that Bob maybe is ready to step away from that either. So it's, it's man, I do think that Michael Bradley has p- played very well um, this season. He's certainly lost some pace. Uh, I do feel as though, you know, those are two guys who have been in environments where that didn't exist beyond being a child. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, unless you've shared that experience at a professional level, um, it's very hard to see how that could work, right? And so when you start to see a team underperforming, um, that's definitely like a standout point that's unavoidable. And that's also something that both the Bradleys are well used to, you know? Yeah. I don't yeah. think that they're that surprised by that at all, right? No, um, no. 
I, I think that Michael Bradley has fared a little better than some people in the comments have fared. Um, but I do think you kind of you know, look at that first goal and you do wonder, like, was Mike supposed to have that man? Mm-hmm. Kind of looked mm-hmm. like it. Kind of. Yeah, the like... optics aren't great. They ain't great. They found they picked a good day to to rip him a new one. But and also, uh, also yeah. after watching Stefan Estacchio absolutely boss that position and kind of set the standard on that pitch of how that position should look at an elite level, I think mm. that also worked against Michael Bradley at the time. I mean, there's what a ten year difference in age. I I I on. I mean, I don't know, but I I would I wouldn't be. I would have to see them on the pitch at the same age at the same fitness to make my decision if one is better than the other. And I, I, Michael Bradley did do that chip in the Azteca. And I don't know if Estacchio has ever scored a, scored a, scored a goal at, at 45 yards out. So I, I don't know. I might, I might fall on the side of, of MB4. Um, uh, two, two more things I'll end on. One, yeah, I'm yeah. so glad that Stefan Estacchio declared to play for Canada when he did, because yes. he would have absolutely would have been in Fernando Santos's midfield. At do you think, you think so? Do you think? Wow. I, that's a. Stefan Estacchio would have played for Portugal at this last world cup. Wow. Oh, I don't know. Oh, wowza. Mikey, as someone who has watched a manager drool over defensive midfielders the way we drool over designated player signings at TFC (laughs) out of the woodwork, yes, yes, he will. He absolutely will. That was a – like Renato Sanchez didn't even get in Portugal's side. But Renato Renato Sanchez does something that Stephen Ostakio has only recently done under the encouragement of Sergio Conceição, which is be offensive. Mm-hmm. I think that Fernando Santos didn't trust that Renato Sanchez would turn that off. That would play mm-hmm. the safer defensive, um, you know, mindset that makes him comfortable, not necessarily Sanchez. And I think that Estacchio does that very, very well. But what makes him a dual mm-hmm. threat is now he's learned how to be as offensively contributing in a way that Sanchez really was and made Sanchez a special player. Damn man! Okay, you what a way to first. go out! Damn. What Waking a way the, to go out! But waking the red dot com will be up operational uh, very very soon. <laughs> In the meantime, between time, uh, check things out mm. on Canadian Soccer Daily. Uh, honestly, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Always is. Uh, appreciate yeah. what y'all doing for the community, and, uh, and I'm we so appreciate happy you, buddy. We're doing it together now. We're all absolutely all the same, uh, in the same. Talk stand. to you. Right. Thank you for your time, my friend. Thanks, Thanks for buddy. coming on, Brandon. All right, I'm gonna boot you. I have that power. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Brendan Dunlop, everybody. Yep. Well, it's not every day you get uh, you get Brendan Dunlop on your show. When you do, you got to ask mm-hmm. him a ton of questions and get his thoughts on TFC. So that's that was a that's a, a that's a hot take, man. I mean, I trust him. He's a it is his it is his uh, it is his wheelhouse, the Portuguese national team. But that's a that's a hot hot take. Uh, I'm not. Gonna, but it doesn't I'm matter because Stefan is yep. your place for Canada. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He's ours, a, not yours. yours. Forget about it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Okay, so before we get into the JDG Kilbane thing, do you want to talk some Nashville? Just get it off yeah, the just docket. Really quick, look at the TFC. You're heading to Nashville. It's not an easy place to play. Uh, Nashville are pretty good this season. They're three, two, and one. Um, it's a re- or it's not even a rematch. It's the first time they get to play Jacob Schaffelberg since they dealt him. Um, and look, this is a team that game. is in a bit of form. They won their last game. I think they won two nil uh, this weekend against Orlando. They've only conceded two goals, so. Look, it, it's a it's a team we know that is defensively sound, has always been since they came into the league. The question is going to be, again, as we were just talking about before uh, Brendan left, is how are you going to score goals against this team, right? How are you going to find a way to to get something against them? And uh, right now, the, the the way is through Federico Bernardeschi, their best, Desky, 
And and I, I think that's outside of that, it, it's starting to figure out, okay, can you start to, you know, get Jonathan Osorio back into good spots, find Richie Lorraine in good spots. Mike saying, I you want to jump in, so go ahead. No, I just want to just commend you for the effort, the conscious effort you're making to uh, to correct yourself every time you say Bernard. <laughs> we should call it we should call it Food Odyssey Eski, so we remember. Yeah. Just just to help us, but no, I I, I applaud it too. Um, it's not going to be an easy game, uh, but you you sort of buried the lead. TFC's last road win was in Nashville last year, so there is some historical precedent to 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 getting those uh, wild, coveted road That was a points. wild game. That, that was when yeah. also, mm-hmm. also had two that game. I think it was a 4-3 victory. Um, yeah. But obviously they also have pretty decent player in Hani Mukhtar, who has just won <laughs> yeah. it. The MVP action there. Yeah, yeah. man. You don't want him to get the ball anywhere on the pitch ever. <laughs> like just ever. An electric yeah. relationship right now with mm-hmm. Jacob Schaffelberg. I'm so happy that, you know, for, for Jacob Schaffelberg, he's... Yeah, Listen, I, I've said this at the time. I, I don't mind repeating it whatsoever. I feel like during his time here with TFC, specifically in, in, in the Bob Badley era, he wasn't given the right opportunity. And, you know, part of that was just inevitable because Lorenzo Insigne was coming. But mm-hmm. he's not a fullback. He, he, he's, not a, he's not a fullback. And no, no. you put him in positions to succeed, and this was a guy who was playing so well at the end of 2021 that he earned a national team call-up and played for Canada during a World Cup qualifying uh, Mm -hmm. match. So, you know, the pedigree is still there, and he's taking full advantage of his opportunity. So really happy for him. Sometimes, say, that's just what what you need to do. Yeah, I think Gary Smith's system in Nashville fits him a lot better than a Bob Bradley system. Like I think it it just... This fits him a lot better and you're seeing the best of him. So obviously, you know, happy to see him doing well. Just don't do well against us. You know, just, you know, just don't. Shaffle shaffle God hat trick incoming. Absolutely. It's also, I think what we're missing as well is just like the profile of player that Jacob Schaffelberg is. That's fair. Off the top of your head, aside from Richie Lorea, who's the fastest player on TFC? It might be Jaquiel, mm-hmm. and he's not really that. Yeah. He, maybe not that quick, but maybe DeAndre Kerr. Um, yeah, DeAndre maybe Kerr DeAndre. The even, even, yeah, but even even DeAndre, like he takes a little bit to. Like he has a fast first step, and once he gets away from someone, I don't think he, he really turn back. But he also takes some time at times to get going, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and his top speed isn't isn't anywhere like mind blowing either. Um, yeah, I think that's something that TFC really, really missed between Schaffelberg and between Jaden Nelson. Like, just that that yeah. pace, that pace to get in behind. Um, I think that's something that the team does that does miss. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, so, you know, just I, to talk, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jeff. Well, no, no. I was gonna, I was gonna tie a bow on it, and you the cut off your comment. So go ahead. No, well, just to, just to say, look, uh, you know, this is a game that. Um, if you, you're almost going to say, well, I don't know if we were talking about, you know, maybe not being happy with draws, you might actually be happy coming out of Nashville with a draw, um, yep. you know, in terms of a result here. But uh, we'll, we'll see how TFC adjust um, and, and come into this one. 
Does Io get another start? Do they go back to DeAndre? Do they try something new? I think that's really the big positional question uh, going mm. into this match is, is what do you try up top uh, and, and see how that goes. But let's transition, guys. Speaking of um, lacks of bursts of speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got uh, we got a little uh, TSing commentator gate going on. I don't think I don't mm. know how it really is in my opinion, but uh, we got to talk about Co- it. Commentator gate Eschke. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Kevin Kilbane and Julian de Guzman uh, on the pregame show on TSN uh, on on Saturday was asked by Kelsey Braid just in regards to what do you do with Michael Bradley? And look, this is not a new question, obviously. This question has been out there for a while now. Um, but some of the takes were interesting uh, from both. Um, Kilbane sp- specifically spoke about sort of the first three or four steps or yards that Michael Bradley has to take to try to recover and step to things saying that, mm-hmm. that he's become a little slower at that. And therefore it's costing TFC in certain areas of the pitch in terms of defending and winning back possession. Uh, and then, so that I don't think any of that is new, right? I think we've no. all talked about that. I think the, the point that, is sort of brewing here. And that's what's sort of brought this to really into the forefront is Julian de Guzman and his comments around the relationship between Michael Bradley and Bob Bradley and how it impacts the dressing room. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I wanted to start in terms well, of your I, thoughts I, there. Like what, what sort of when you, when you kind of hear something about that saying like, I don't want to say the word unprofessional. I don't think that's what he really meant, but mm-hmm. he just, he just sort of meant that it was, not quite normal for a professional setting to have, you know, guys in a dressing room talking, saying this guy's not stepping up, this guy's not doing the right thing when the manager mm-hmm. is his dad, right? I think that's kind of what he was talking about. So what just just your overall thoughts on just the Okay, the let me let me go. Itself. Let me go. Yeah. So they're not wrong. I mean, Kilbane's point that Bradley has lost his shutdown pace, we've known for a while. I mean, Bob Michael Bradley would probably own up to that. Julian de Guzman's major point that not every the average 34 year old that's still playing first team football isn't a day to day 90 minute uh, pencil and ink starter is also right. Um, but this idea that there's a father son relationship in the dressing room and that's unprofessional, dude's not there. So I completely, you know, my eyes glaze over when I hear about that because it's supposition. And then this is something. You have to take this with a grain of salt. These aren't two guys in a bar. They're ex-players. So when they talk about players on the wrong side of 30, aging out of systems, et cetera, et cetera, there's a certain personal bias there that you can't escape. So are they are they coming from an altruistic place or are they coming from a, you know, I wasn't Michael Bradley, so I've got a bit of a, a bone to pick there. You open yourself up to that by doing this. And I thought it was a little bit vitriolic, the whole exchange. And that's what really left me with a bad taste in my mouth because it transparently felt to me like, okay, we don't get every TFC game again. So when we talk about TFC now, we've got to be clickbaity barstool sports kind of guys. And I really didn't like that. You know what I mean? Um, Listen, my question is this, does Michael Bradley's detriments outweigh the positives he brings? Absolutely not. Okay. At the end of the day, if he's lacking that close down, that close down speed, well, then you don't have to divine what the issue is. You make sure that your center backs are aware of that and they account for him, right? Like this isn't a mystery that you have to solve. This isn't a puzzle where you need to go ask, you know, someone, someone to divine it for you. You have it right there, writ large. This is an issue. Let's accommodate for it. 
Um, I, I just think that they went really negative for no reason and they didn't counter their negative points with positive points. So it was a bit of a hatchet job and I don't think it was a fair assessment and that's what bothered me about it right and it's a hot job coming from two ex-professionals so you 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 on it you have to open up those margins for sour grape it felt like sour grape clickbait and i expected more from them because at the end of the day they're not telling any they're not saying anything that anybody that's been following this team hasn't known for seasons right and they're saying and they're and they're delivering it like it's like this some this some rosetta stone that is going to unlock all the tse's problems no, my dude, we've known that forever. You're not bringing anything new into the conversation. You're just kind of taking pot shots at the guy. I don't know. I don't know. That's okay, that's my spiel. I, I I don't think I've ever agreed with Jeff Moore. Uh, to be frank, the one thing mm-hmm. that that really stood out to me about their their segment was they 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 pointed out the two three yard runs. I think Kilbane yeah. pointed it out. Um, by the way, both those guys, very, very smart soccer minds. So I agree with them in that standpoint. Michael Bradley doesn't close down well, those short kind of runs that he needs to do constantly, you know, he's okay doing one or two. Their solution to that was, okay, you know what? Maybe you have to play him less. Well, let me tell you, like you can rest Michael Bradley for a year. He's not getting back that foot speed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter exactly. how many games. Exactly. It doesn't matter how yeah. many games you give him off. He's not getting back that foot speed. The issue mm-hmm. in question is not Michael Bradley being drained out. Like this, he's he's a machine when it comes to his fitness and how well he takes care of his body. So that's not a solution. Mm-hmm. The second part is I agree with you, Jeff. Was that yes, that is who Michael Bradley is. But he's also still a very good six in Major League Soccer. 100%. When, especially when he's surrounded by the right players and isn't being asked to do too much. You know, we, we I keep looking back to that game against Charlotte as like the prime example of like that's the role that Michael Bradley needs to be mm-hmm. playing in, and it's a it's a fact that he's not trying to ping diagonals over and over and over. He's not trying to be the guy who unlocks the final pass. He's a guy that can get the right players, the balls in the right situations. And when he's in his little, his little bubble there, let's call it in, in mm-hmm. you know, his half space. Like he, he knows where to go, when to go, you know, no, no chance. Like he's still the same player he was, you know, Michael Bradley's best asset growing, you know, when he was in his prime is just, he's a machine, right? You know, mm-hmm. box to box machine covers a lot of ground is able to get that backing up up and down the pitch he's a different player at this point but that's why it's so important to surround him with a mark anthony k surround him with a brandon Cervania, surround him with a jonathan osario guys who are capable of doing you know a lot of work in the midfield um but you can still absolutely find ways to get the best out of him so i i i can't say i i disagree completely with what they're saying but i do disagree with their solution to the issue and they like jeff said i think they gloss over a lot of positives that he scored a goal they didn't game. mention it he scored well, a goal that night they did in the post game but in the po- did he mention it afterwards because i saw they that post game, post game. Yeah. okay okay and the then, and then whatever, you know like, i didn't goal doesn't yeah a goal doesn't change anything like goals happen no no but that, that's yeah. fine that's fine but i but i am saying like to just i you know what did what did jdd end his uh his hit with you know we won't make the playoffs with michael bradley i mean that's a sucky statement to make. So dude. yeah, I look. look I 
Yeah. I think there's just uh, – my my issue with it is this whole personal dy- dynamic between Bob Bradley yeah, and Michael Bradley comment. I'm going to come mm. I'm going to come to that in a second. Yeah, yeah. In terms of what Kilbane was saying and sort of the first part of what Jonathan de Guzman was saying in terms of Michael Bradley, I still think is relatively accurate, right? Like in terms of just – we know the physical parts of it. I think what Ju- – Julian de Guzman got to, which I kind of agree with, is that he does not need to be playing 90 minutes every single week. And I feel like a broken record because I've said it on this yeah. podcast a lot. But he doesn't, right? And and, no. and he, he talked about a, a Liam Frazier, a Noble Akello, uh Ralph Preso that have come through the academy and could potentially be heir apparents now you take that however you want, right? Because look, I don't think either of those, none of those players are going to do exactly what Michael Bradley can give you as Mm -hmm. one player. I think each of those players had individual traits that, um, that it could encompass him, but not the full package. Right. And I think that from, from that perspective, I I get it. The frustration of not seeing those guys probably play a little bit more and, and get an opportunity really to sort of take, you know, the, the, the bull by the horns and take that role. At the same time, probably you you have to do that proving in training. And guess who you're probably not beating in training? Michael Bradley, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So from from that perspective, I, I get where they're coming from. But at the same time, like if you take Michael Bradley out of a team, you're gonna really notice this team when they don't have Michael Bradley in it, right? Like you, it, it's it's unavoidable, not just from a just seeing perspective, but just from a playing perspective. Go ahead, Jeff. How often do you hear players talk about their managers like he was like a father to me or a father figure to me? I'm sure Kilbane and Julian de Guzman, you can find quotes where they've said it. Now they're going to rail against an actual father-son dynamic like it's some kind of weird thing. The lines are so malleable and it just, it felt like sour grapes to me. I know they have a pedigree, et cetera, et cetera. They're not in the room. They're suppositioning, you know, like... Coaches pick favorites like Mourinho or or like you've got coaches that whatever whenever they move clubs, they want to sign back guys they just left at the club that they left with. You know, you're there it's a false equivalency or it's a it's a false disequivalency that they're creating that they have no reason to create. Um, I just I didn't like it. Like it, it, you know, it's like it's trying to inside baseball something that you have absolutely no knowledge of. It's like here's a oh, secret, hey, this is bad. Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dickerson's a former player with TFC. Like, it's not like he doesn't have access. But he's not in that locker room now. That's like saying I had a Starbucks coffee once and it's gonna suck forever, even though they've changed their recipe a hundred times, right? Like, like you you can't speak that definitively because they were speaking very definitively and not allow any margin for the opposing view. Not not they were Jeff. They were they were Mm. speculating about the dynamic between Michael Bradley and Bob Bradley, which I think is like the most obvious thing to speculate about. Sure. Like they weren't, they weren't saying like, this is, you know, he can't have that conversation, but they said, Hey, you know, if it was my dad or my son, you know, I wouldn't want to be having that conversation with my son. Right. Hmm. I I don't take issue with, with what their, what their point is in that regard. There are other instances around the league where coaches manage their sons. Mm-hmm. It's not we just like saw it a couple is... weeks ago. Yeah, we just saw it a couple weeks ago. Exactly, and then you also have it in in Austin as well. Yeah, right. So the Wolves. Yeah, yeah, the Wolves. So like, 
I'm, I'm not as I'm not as passionate about that part of it as you are. I, I understand why it would be tough, and I understand why it's a narrative too. I actually don't mm, know. Like, no, it, of course, yeah. yeah. Like if you're Bob Riley, would it be? Wouldn't it be tough to if you had to? I, I don't think it's at this point, but if you had to have that conversation with Michael Bradley, be like, "Hey, you know, you, I don't think you're at the point in your career where you can go 90 minutes every match anymore." Would that not naturally be, you know, a little bit different than? If you're not football is these guys son? lives. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that they've maybe had that. We don't know. Already, yeah. That's you know? the thing. We don't know. Yeah. 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 And, and I think the, the, the part of that comment or the part of that sort of, as you say, Jeff, that supposition that, that Julian de Guzman was bringing up was more the dynamic within the locker room of the other players reacting to the relationship. Right. Part of his comment was, you know, players in the locker room, look, they're going to talk about other players. They're going to talk about other players' performances. That happens of course. in any locker room, right? The comf- being Having the space to be comfortable to have those conversations when the captain, you know, it, you know, the captain's dad is also your manager and also the sporting director who controls your contracts, right? Yeah, like yeah, there, yeah. there is, I think it that's is a weird the, dynamic. It, it is, is a weird a dynamic. Weird, it's a weird yeah. dynamic. It is that's a weird fine. dynamic. There's and, nothing and, wrong saying that. No, there's nothing mm. wrong with saying it. I guess, the, I guess the question then becomes like, how is this really a thing, right? Like, is, I, I, again, it, it kind of feels like you know, if somebody else was saying it, like if it's just a panelist that was saying it, that's one thing. But we all know Julian de Guzman knows a lot of the national team guys on that team, right? He knows mm-hmm. those guys. So mm-hmm. how much of it is supposition? How much it is like you've heard some things from guys, right? Like, I, again, I'm, I, okay, it, I'm it doing quotes its sources thing, but, or it gets the hose again. I mean, if he's going to say something that incendiary, then I, I think maybe back it up hey, with some actual concrete Jeff, proof. Mm. Jeff, that's friend of the show, Julian de Guzman, we're talking about. No, listen, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> listen, I'm not trying to start beef with the guy. I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to come out that with your foot that much on the throttle, you're going to have to expect so a level of pushback. The, the funny thing, Jeff, is the one thing I do agree with is that, mm. you know, TSN was not making this content last year. <laughs> like yeah. they were not making yeah. this content last no, 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 no. Apple no. sports now because they're you know and they're they're little fish in a big I actually yeah. and like you know what I, I I from a pure content creation standpoint it's bring it that's that's one of the best pieces of content they've ever dropped for Toronto <laughs> but we're talking about it yeah for uh, 30 minutes yeah, yeah. Gen- genuinely believe that was one of the best pieces of content that they've ever dropped for TFC but mm. it does. I do wonder why now is the time that they're dropping because half the clips, half the highlights they were showing in that highlight clip, that was from last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah it, it was a job. I can, I, I can take video and make any argument compelling. Like I do it for a career. Like it's not alien to me that you can, you can create any narrative you want with the whiz bang effects. And you, I just, I, I feel you have a responsibility to back it up when you're coming from a position of a certain measure of authority and you're and you're basically saying i'm i'm about to give you insight into something that you're all desperate to get eh, you, there's more of a responsibility than just be a muckraker sure. for sure so so let's wrap it up on this then because i think we we've, mm-hmm. we've sort of dissected sort of the three yeah i agree i agree of this do you think this would th- those were fair takes you may not like the segment but do you think there were fair enough takes or do you think they were just way out of bounds with the way that they were going? I personally think that they, it was, it was a fair takes. Um, 
listen, Michael Bradley, Bob Bradley, like I said off the bat, they knew about that, that this dynamic mm-hmm. would cause questions like this. Michael Bradley obviously is getting up there in age, even though I still think he's he's been a heck of a player this season still. Um, mm-hmm. There's no question that with when you get up there in age and you're playing nine minutes every single match, there's not many players who have done that. So naturally, those opinions are going to go out. And also, like, I respect the hell out of Jules and, and Kilbane and, like, what they accomplished in their careers. And there's Julian de Guzman specifically. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he played that exact same role. Well, I mean, I think for TSC, he was asked to play more of an attacking for the national team and mm-hmm. throughout his career. And, you know, I think that that their assessment of Michael Bradley, like we said earlier, I think that part of it was fair. I just, I, you know, I, I don't agree with the, the solution again whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, for them to to question the dynamic between Michael Bradley, Bob Bradley, yeah, that's that's going to come with the territory. I think Michael Bradley and Bob Bradley both know that's not a secret to anybody. Mm-hmm. All's fair in love and war. Um, all all opinions are valid. Um, my issue is the logic of it because as people were saying in the comments, if you follow the causality of what they were saying, it's basically Michael Bradley's washed, and and him and his daddy have a special relationship. And I didn't see anything to counter that. And so I thought it was a bit one-sided, a bit one-dimensional, but far be it for me to ever deride anybody for having an opinion. That's allowed. It's just when you're going to take such a aggressive opinion, I do think you have to back it up with something, especially when you have the bully pulpit like they do. I guess my question is just how how aggressive are they? Because like the whole Michael Bradley, Bob Bradley father thing has been around for like over a decade, right? Between Mm -hmm. their time at the Metro Stars, between their time on the national team, between now their time here at TFC, it has always come up, right? Mm -hmm. So that isn't really new. Uh, And then in terms of like, and I think that's where, and please everybody in the comments, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's where a lot of people are taking the issue is that this whole relationship part is really what, because nobody's really questioning, again, like we said, the physical stuff of Michael Bradley, right? Like we Mm -hmm. know that. I think that's where a lot of people are taking some exception to the piece. Um, and I'm just wondering, is it that aggressive considering, you know, these are things the U.S. men's national team fans have been talking about for over well, a decade. I mean, <laughs> I don't ever want to live my life like U.S. men's national team fans. So, yes, it's aggressive because their standard discourse is chaos. I, I, I just think it wasn't as measured as it could have been. And Fair. considering that they're approaching you from an authoritative bully pulpit, I think they had a responsibility to be more measured than that. It it felt far too... Like, the, the, the aggressiveness was coming from just following it to its logical conclusion and realizing that what they're actually saying was almost entirely negative. Like, there is no hope for Michael Bradley. This team is going nowhere with him. And in addition, we don't like what's happening in this locker room for reasons that we can't tell you. I, I, I just... That you know, that's that's my personal opinion on it, and I, I didn't. I I see why it's there. I mean, again, we're we're just talking in circles. I've I've made my my point clear. Okay. Um, and and there we go. Yeah, let's Fair get enough. to the burning question. All right, oh, sir, Mike, do you have one last mm-hmm. point? Are you good? No, I I, th- I think I got. I I set, I set my piece with with everything that needed to be said. I guess my one question to you guys, just last question: Take Michael Bradley out of this current TFC lineup mm-hmm. roster. Who's capable of playing a single pivot six on this roster? Exactly. Mark Anthony K is probably the closest. 
and I, and I'm saying closest because he, he's still not going to be able to do the, all the things Michael Bradley can do, but he's probably the closest. I think you got to go double pivot. I I, I mean, you I have, don't think you have any, to go double. You'd have double to. Pivot, yeah. Yeah. You have to go double But you're, you're asking me if, if who can who can fill that role as a single, single six? Pivot? Yeah, it would be Mark Anthony probably the closest. And if and if the only problem with MB4 occupying the single pivot in his dad's preferred system is that a 34 year old doesn't have the same close down speed as he did, yeah, as he did when he was 25, there are a lot worse problems to have. You know, like it 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 is what it is, and so yeah, exactly. Fair enough. All right. Let's, let's talk about uh, let's, let's let's wrap it up uh, with the burning mm -hmm. question that some people didn't really like, but in the end, probably ended up being <laughs> I like the that one. It was that a burning was question for sub zero temperature. <laughs> exactly. Where people like we were like, we hate this question, but then it was probably mm -hmm. the most responded to burning question we've had. <laughs> yes. So relatable, it's right? It's so well, relatable. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and look, the 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 question for those who are wondering um, is: Are you loving or hating the seven p.m. kickoff times? Right. And and look. A lot of the answers obviously have to do with the weather right now um, for home games because it's freezing at seven o'clock at night in winter slash really early spring. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. But but there are like beyond just the cold stuff, there are actually legitimate sort of concerns around this. And there are some people who love it. Right. So I'm going to read out a couple of comments. Love to, again, get some thoughts. Um, you know, the obvious ones uh, from front of the show, Chris Fung, just saying in the summer, it'll be great. But everyone likes spending two hours outside in. Hoth. Uh, but if anyone likes spending two hours outside in Hoth in March, then you've got some concerns. Mm -hmm. We did it. <laughs> um, so maybe, I'm people, yeah. maybe I'm a nutter. Um, and then hold on. We got uh, we got some people here who are saying, you know, uh, Toronto FC 21 just saying night time night games at BMO field are better than afternoon games at BMO any time of the year. The atmosphere just seems to be much better at night. I don't actually disagree with them. I actually do think whatever it is, the atmosphere and I'm, I'm sure he's talking about the South End mainly um, yeah, yeah. seems to be a little bit better at night. That's just sort of my opinion and what I've seen, but I get that out of time. Some people, you know, um, YMDs just saying, okay, I have my routine. It's okay. I have my routine. It's set for the year, 7.30. You know when the games are. You don't have to figure out what time it's starting. Uh, but another comment here, just in terms of uh, Steve uh, Go-Getter just saying, uh, no, it sucks. Since my kid is four, I now have to have a ticket. And since he's now four, they got to get him to bed at eight. Uh, <laughs> and just basically the idea of like, if you have kids, it's going to be really hard to to get them the matches because they love watching TFC too. But at the same time, you know you got to put yeah, your kids. Yeah, to bed, it's pro. Right? It's prohibited. So yeah. a lot of different perspectives here from weather. Is that to TFC two or TFC? No, no he, TFC the kid likes like TFC. Maybe like TFC two. I don't know. Shout out TFC two, man. He's a Rashawn Walks fan. I don't know who isn't. But but different ranging opinions in terms of sort of why you either like it or don't like it. And I just want to get your opinions, guys. One, from a media perspective from Mike, and then obviously Jeff from a fan perspective. Like, what are you mm -hmm. thinking about these start times, really? Well, like, first, obviously, the reason behind it, right? The biggest one is they want to do the 360 show where they mm -hmm. touch on all the games and they're watching all the games at the same time and they can jump from game to game to game. And then, obviously, you know, the wrap-up wrap up show after. So, like, it's... It, a lot of it is to do other things than just for the sake of having a late kickoff time, right? It does it does allow for some other things that Major League Soccer wants to do, um, mm -hmm. and it's not it's look, go to 
go to England. Look at the kickoff times. Like this yeah, is or, what or soccer... try and watch a game during the blackout times. This is what soccer is, right? In every mm. other country. So I do get it. Um, personally, on a personal note, there's something nice about an afternoon game at BMO Field. Agreed. Right? Like Agreed. I, I really do I really do like it when the sun's up and the you know, people are buzzing in, in a nice hot summer day. You got the the nice background. The, the Have you ever right had the capo in like thirty-five degree weather at like yeah. a three o'clock kickoff? It's horrible. Yeah. Okay. I'm a no, swimming exactly. pool by then. Exactly. So that that is a, another point I wanted to make was like sure these these first couple months are gonna suck. But in May, June, July, we're gonna it's make gonna up be for fantastic. it. Yeah. It's we, gonna don't be fantastic. Of, we don't actually have a ton of home games during those warm months, though, right? Because a don't. lot of them are. We oh no, we got we got screwed. We got we got absolutely. But yes, you are right. You would be right this in this season. season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I guess last thing, just from from a media perspective, like I finished a little later. It sucks. That's mm. that's my only complaint. Like I, I get out of the stadium maybe sometimes just like a little bit after midnight. Not idea. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah I, I think I think they made a unilateral decision uh, just looking at what they wanted to achieve on paper, did not consider markets, did not consider because it's difficult and they didn't have time. Uh, I trust that there'll be some course correction um, because having watched the 360 show, you know, it's not as live based as I anticipated. And so the impetus for the 7.30 start times, because I, I figured it would be like on Sky where like they're watching one game and then they'll cut to goals as they happen kind of thing. But there's a lot more of a margin for for not necessarily live feeds on that 360. So I do have some faith that that cooler heads will prevail. You know, it may not be Toronto that, that moves the needle because Canada, because MLS, but enough of the markets that are in colder weather, enough voices complain, enough blowback happens you know, Apple's not going to, Apple's not going to, as, as monolithic and draconian as a corporation that they are, they're still not going to ignore what their customers are saying. So I do think that there'll be some course correction, um, you know, and you just have to suffer through it this year. Like, you know, 7.30 starts, I think are kind of secondary to the complaining that's going to happen when this League's Cup thing eventually wears its ugly head. So this, this season is a bit of a, is a bit of a mess of all. And, uh, you know, call me naive, but I, I do think that this may be the only year where we see such absolute commandments levied down from the Apple overlords that affect unilaterally the entire experience. And, well, and- I think I'll, I'll leave with one additional mm-hmm. comment here. This comes from Rob, and he's just saying, from a general MLS point of view, I'm watching far less MLS games than previous years just because all the games are happening at the same time. Yeah, me too, me out. too between Friday and Sunday. And I think if the, anything's going to in, it make a change, it's that because, yep. you know, from a look, there are reports out there that Apple are a little bit concerned. Don't believe about, that nonsense. What's the no, account? I, MLS wacko? No, like, yeah, for sure. But like, but I, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to use my own experience from, from mm. the first year of the Canadian premier league and sort of thinking about one soccer and, the same kind of I'm not not at the same scale, obviously, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I can understand if there is concern, because when you give away the the subscriptions for free to season ticket holders. Right. So mm-hmm. that's going to be the large base of your hardcore people who would probably would have paid for a subscription. 
um, and, and you're probably giving it away to other subscribers of other platforms. I think they're giving away to T-Mobile subscribers. Yeah, T-Mobile, they're, they're giving it to other free, people, yeah. right? So how many people are you going to find that are going to be relatively casual? They're going to put in 80 bucks, 90 bucks to, to watch MLS games that are mostly out of market, right? Like you're not going to necessarily pay 80 bucks just, mm. you know, I know people who like TFC and are, won't pay to watch TFC every day. They'll just wait till the TSN game come on. Right. So mm -hmm. that might be something more than weather or, you know, your kid's bedtime that is going to affect kickoff changes and things like that. Mike, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. And the no. fact that Apple TV can't figure out how to hide the scores, right? Like they just can't figure out how to do it. So the ask is now, you know, you're not watching the wraparound show because you're watching your local team, but you're going to watch out of market games after the fact on your own volition when usually the score has been spoiled for you either by MLS constantly tweeting out the scores or the fact that the, your Apple TV environment gives it to you the second you log in. So th there's a lot of moving parts here. And I, I do think the idea had merit. But in practice, it's proving to be a lot more trouble than 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 positive. First year, and that, first year project that's going to happen. First year, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just I, I think at the end of the day, cooler heads will prevail. It's a decent experiment. I don't think the ends are justifying the means. I think it'll be corrected. So this might. I, I mean, I'm hoping. Knock on all the wood. This is the only year we have to suffer through this kind of draconian. Everything starts at seven thirty kind of thing. Because even now, it's not every game. There, every weekend, there's still a few adjuncts that don't start at 7.30 or start after 7.30. And that's just the reality. Like, as powerful of a corporation as Apple is, you know, if if Yankee Stadium has a Yankees game, you ain't getting that 7.30 start time, right? Like, if, if you know, uh, uh, some of the, the shared venues have a Madonna concert, just for just for an example, you're not getting that 7.30 start time. So it's, it's just that it's all these things coming to play together and the court of public opinion. Something is going to change. There, there's no way that they're going to be as strong-armed about this going into the season next year. I, I refuse to believe that. All right. Fair enough. And uh, with that, I think we'll wrap it up uh, for Do you agree week. with me? Or I mean, I, I got the last word. This is weird. You're I, getting the last word here because, <laughs> look, I, I think I think you're right. Like, I think it's, it's mm. you know, they're going to take a lot of feedback from this first season and change a lot of things in year two. And it's going to it's yeah. going to look vastly yeah. different than it looks I right agree. now. So it cannot. I yeah. think it might be vast, look vastly different, at least from a presentation perspective, 100%. Um, by like August, um, yep. if anything, right? So, so keep that in mind. We'll we'll keep an eye like, out on Apple Watch. Sorry, go uh, ahead, Mike. Just from like having like you know, obviously, you know, full disclosure, I do work, do some work for Major League Soccer. Obviously, I work for Home Sand and Room Four Four Two, but I do do some work for for Major League Soccer as well. Very much like as your guys are illustrating, like. This is learning on the fly for mm -hmm. a lot of people. Trial by fire. Right? Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's easy for us to to sit here and, you know, be like this, 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 and this. But you guys are right. Like, this is something that's going to be a product that's that's going to be constantly worked on, constantly improving, going to take feedback from fans, going to try and, you know, put out the best product possible. But sometimes, you know, there are also other factors that are just – you can't avoid like that's part of the business, it's part of the industry. You're not going to make everyone happy, mm. is what, what I'm no. trying to say. So no, and you shouldn't yeah, yeah, even yeah. try because it's a fool's errand. Yeah, 
Yeah. For sure. So uh, continue to plank and blanket because it's still going to be a couple of cold weather games before we really get warm um, yeah, yeah, here yeah. in Toronto. Um, but thank you again for listening to another episode of Toronto's Lie Die. For all the comments, everybody commenting live on the show. Uh, you guys are awesome every week. Uh, thank you to Brendan Dunlop of Canadian Soccer Daily for coming on, um, it, you know, for w bringing WTR onto the platform. And obviously, uh, we hope to have him back at some point, getting some more thoughts in, because obviously, uh, he has a respected voice uh, in sort of our ecosystem. Uh, so definitely great to have him on. Uh, we will be back next week on Monday recap. Uh, we will be back Monday. Yes, we will be back Monday. Um because it's not a long weekend, or at least not for everybody, mm -hmm. or, you know, not a Monday <laughs> off for everybody. Um, but we will be back um, uh, recapping the Nashville game. Um, uh, still a big favor to ask for all the listeners. Please go out there, uh, subscribe, and also review on Apple Pods, uh, and give us a five-star on Spotify if you can. Those have been increasing. We have been seeing like them. Crazy. Thank you so much yeah. uh, for doing that. It is really helping really people find the show. So that is awesome. Um, no uh, as of right now, there will be no um, uh, a tunnel club for next week. Sean is in Nashville, so he is going to the away game, which mm. so jealous uh, that so he's going to be able in Nashville uh, enjoying the away section. So we probably will not have a tunnel club this weekend. So you can take a weekend off uh, from my voice. Uh, but for Michael Singh and for Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. Uh, thanks for listening. See you all next week. Cheers, everybody. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.